Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Um, so I want to just get right into it today, and I would, I've been thinking about some things that I don't like in my life, which is a strange line of thought to take yourself down, but I was thinking about like jobs that I'm not good at and jobs that I've had in the past that I really don't like. Have you ever had a job that you're like, I'm actually not very good at this, and I don't really know why I'm here? No, all of you are excellent at your jobs. Okay, so I had a couple of jobs on my journey. That's part of the process, right? You try some things and you go like, man, that does not fit on me. One of those jobs for me is sales. I am terrible at sales. Some of you are incredible. Like it is God's gift to you that you know how to go in and like make a connection and help people connect to products. And like you could sell, you know that old, like you could sell a, what is it? Like a red popsicle to a lady in white gloves or something, right? Like you, this is, I am, that is not me. I am, so this is, I had a job when I was like 20 where I worked in retail and part of, a part of my pay was based on my commission. So a big part of what I was supposed to be doing was trying to like sell stuff to people. This is a real life story of what happened one time. I'm in the store and I'm there and this lady is like, come in and she's like, oh, I'm looking for, you know, like some jeans. And I was like, great, let me help you with that. I help her find it. And then part of the thing is, you know, you're supposed to try and like keep, she didn't need any encouragement. I didn't have to upsell her. She was like grabbing all kinds of extra stuff. And she was like, I came in for one pair of jeans. Oh, but I like these ones too. Oh, and look at these new tops. And she had like a whole armful. And I was like, cool, today's gonna be a good day. This is good news for me and my 20 year old self. So then we're going through the thing and you know, she's coming in and out of the dressing room. And then as she's finishing up, she starts talking to me and she's like, yeah, you know, I just got paid yesterday and I really just came in for these one pair, but I really like all the other jeans. And I tell you what, my didn't know I was going to be it yet. Pastor heart, but pastoral heart at 20 years old was like, well, I mean, if you just came in for one pair of jeans, maybe like, maybe that's all you need. You know, I think you look amazing. And this one pair is great. And you know, we have jeans here all the time. So you probably don't want to do that. And you know what? You, girl, you are more valuable than the jeans that you wear. You are precious just like you are. And I think that like, I, this is a real life. And I'm trying to like tilt so my manager can't see me because I know my job is to be selling these things to people, but I absolutely bomb at it. Like I was terrible at doing this job because I just can't do it. And I think part of it is the reverse is also true. I hate being sold on things. I absolutely, and I'm so sorry, like if that is a major part of your job, you're so good at it and I'm so proud of you. Just don't bring it in my direction. Okay, online sales has been fantastic for me. Online, I like do all, and I'm a researcher by nature, so like when I, I don't really go shopping, I go purchasing, right? This is what I mean by that. I know what I want when I'm coming. 
I don't need you to sell me on it. I don't need you to explain it to me. I don't need you to kind of like maneuver it. I'm the kind of person that like, if it's time for a car, I go and I'm like, hey, I'm looking for this, this, and this. Do you have that? I don't need you to sort it out for me. I, this is not like a back and forth. And it's tough because we kind of live in a time and we live in an era where we're often being sold on things. Whether that's products or whether it's ideologies or whether it's belief systems or whether it's perspectives on who we should be, there are constantly things that are being served up and perspectives and things and people and positions that are kind of trying to sell us on something. And I think as a generation, we have been sold on a lie. And I think we've bought in to a lie. And that lie is that we are perfect. Think about it. Messaging is coming our way all the time that you are perfect just the way you are. Doesn't that sound nice? It sounds nice. It's not true though. And this is the trouble, I think, as a generation, and when I say a generation, I'm basically saying like anyone who's alive right now, right? I think as a people, we have bought into this lie that I am perfect just the way I am. And the trouble is, it's a lie that generations before us knew was not true. It's a lie that generations before us had a basic fundamental understanding of the fact that this is not accurate, that actually I am deeply flawed, actually I am deeply messed up, actually I am a total wreck running around, actually I am in need of assistance and I am in need of help, but for some reason we have taken on and we have built in and bought into this idea that the way that I am is just perfect. I'm wonderful just how I am. And here it comes and it's breaking apart and it's eroding our relationships. It's breaking us up because we enter into relationships with the belief that I am perfect just the way I am. And it's breaking up our workplaces and it's breaking up our marriages and it's breaking up our parental roles because we think that our role and our goal in life is to communicate to our children that they are perfect just the way they are. And I know you're wonderful and I know that you're valuable and I know that you're loved. I know it's so tense because you're like, but I, but I am perfect. Because you have, because I know, trust me, I had to process this before I came to deliver it. There's a part of me that's like, but I, but I am pretty good, right? I am doing pretty good, but the, but, 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 the belief that we are perfect, it has some issues on the inside of it. Because if I believe that I'm perfect, it is starting to break down and erode the position and the placement that I'm in with other people. And I think even more detrimental than that, it's starting to break down and it's starting to erode our own core and our own selves and our own who we are when we buy into this belief and this lie that I am perfect just the way that I am. Because we have this thing called cognitive dissonance, which means I can say one thing, but at the end of the day, I know another thing. 
So I can come out and tell you all day long, I'm perfect just the way I am, but at my core and at the soul of who I am, at the center of who I am, you know you. And you know you're not perfect. You know that you are an absolute mess. You know at the core of who you are that there's a lot going on on the inside. You know at the core of who you are that you are selfish and that you think about you like 99% of the time. It takes like zero brain power, zero rewiring, zero working of the plasticity that is on the inside of my brain for me to think about me. I have to work on, I have to work on thinking about you. I have to intentionally build inside myself and let me think about my neighbor. Let me, no, I can think about me all day long. Let me give you some examples. Here's a story, let me play it out for you. Um, You live with a roommate. Yesterday was your roommate's birthday. There's cupcakes left over in the fridge. There's only one cupcake left in the fridge though. You know your roommate gets home at four o'clock. At about 3.30 you think, ooh, let me go into the kitchen real quick and eat that cupcake before she gets home. That way I can have the cupcake. And then your roommate gets home and they're like, oh, is the last cupcake gone? And you're like, oh, did you want that? You know they wanted it. That's why you got up at 3.30 when you knew they were gonna be home at four and hurried up and ate the cupcake before they got home at four because you're selfish. Because you think about you. You're thinking about what you can do. Let me tell you another story about me. This is a real story. Some of you may have heard it because I've told it before because it's just too good telling on myself. A few years ago, Phil and I were attending a wedding, right? We had this wedding to go to. It had a certain time, and I'm like, let's be on time, let's be on time, let's be on time. We get there on time. We get to the wedding. We start walking in, and there is no one, no one else there besides, like, you know, people who are, like, setting up, like family who's setting up tables. My first thought that I vocalize out loud to my husband, can you believe all these people are late? It didn't occur to me first, maybe I got the time wrong. Maybe I was wrong about the time of the, no, my first thought was all of these other people were late. Why? Because I'm prideful. Because I think about me, because I think I'm smarter than the other hundred people that are attending the wedding, because I am an absolute mess. Have you ever seen a child in a grocery store? They are violent and inconsiderate. Because at our core, we are an absolute mess. At our core, we are broken. At our core, we are in need of someone else. But we have this messaging coming at us all day, every day, that goes, you're perfect just the way you are. You're perfect just how you are. And so we start to buy into the lie that I am a perfect being, that I am perfect in my utter sense, that I just came out perfect. And then we raise little kids that think they're perfect just the way we are, and we're afraid to change them and adapt them and mold them and train them up in the way they should go because we think they're perfect and so they should just look and explore and find their own way that they should go and God said that is not the message anymore I created you in one way but sin entered into the equation and it separated you and the issue that we have when we start building this thought that I'm absolutely perfect is that it positions us in a place where everything that is going wrong is outside of us and it's someone else's situation. So we go to our workplace and we're having issues in our workplace, but I'm perfect. So why would I look to myself and say, I wonder if there's anything that I'm doing in this situation that's causing the problem here? 
because I'm perfect. And I know you don't always say it that clearly, and I know you may don't always think it that clearly, but at the soul of who we are, we have this thought that it can't be me because I'm perfect just the way I am. And so it must be them. It must be what's going on outside of me. It must be someone else's problem. It must be someone else's situation. It must be the structure that I've been put on the inside of. It must be the way that my boss speaks to me. It must be something outside of me. And then where this leads us is that it puts us in conflict with one another instead of in community with one another for two reasons. One, if I'm perfect and if you're perfect, but if our perfects aren't matching up, there's going to be conflict because at the end of the day, somebody might need to adapt and might need to change. But if I have to adapt and if I have to change, that would be admitting that maybe, perhaps, I'm not perfect. Maybe, perhaps, there's something about me that needs to alter. And even more than that, it puts us at conflict instead of community because if I'm perfect, I don't need anything. I don't need anything outside of myself. I don't need to ask for help every so often. I don't need to admit that I don't know what's actually going on. I don't need to admit that there are things for me to learn and things for me to grow in and things for me to understand. I don't need to admit to you that I'm feeling weak today and I'm feeling broken today because a perfect person wouldn't be able to admit to you that there are some things that are weighing heavy on me and actually right now I'm in the position that I need someone else to carry this heavy burden for me because I'm perfect and God created us to live inside of community with one another. He created us to need to depend on one another. He created us to need to grow and to rub on each other to form us. He put us inside this family of God and said, sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable in this space. And sometimes it's going to cause you to grow. And sometimes it's going to cause you to stretch because there are some things that I need you. And we get into this strange idea on the inside of us. We get into this comparison thing on the inside of us where we, and comparison never leads us to anywhere good or anywhere healthy. Comparison never leads us to anything productive. It sends us on two sides of an extreme. In comparison, I either am looking at someone else and thinking how wonderful and glorious and magnificent their life is and wondering what is going on with my mess of a life and my mess of a world. And I'm looking at their highlight reel and I'm thinking how they've achieved the job that I've always dreamed of and that I always wanted to and how come I can't get to that? And we start laying heaviness on top of our own soul and we start laying weightiness on top of ourselves and letting ourselves be burdened and carried on the inside of it. And that is not a space that we were ever intended to be. We have to learn how to throw off the heaviness that comes from comparison that makes me think you're great and I'm small, that makes me think you're accomplished and I don't have anything to offer. That makes me think that person's beautiful, but I'm ugly and broken. That makes me think they've got it all together, but meanwhile, my house is a mess. We have to learn to throw off that comparison and remind ourselves, A, that often on, in this day and this time, we are seeing other people's highlight reels and we are living our real life every day. And we also have to remember that we are not all on the same road or the same journey 
journey, that we started at different places and at different points, and that God is walking with each of us on our own path and on our own journey. I love this line at the end of the book of John. Jesus is talking to, I think he's talking to Matthew or Peter, sorry, I don't remember which one. He's talking to one of the disciples and he's telling them about what their end is gonna be. He's talking to John. He's talking to John and telling him about what the end of his life is gonna look like and how he's gonna die. And one of the other disciples basically says, and what about me? What's gonna happen with me? And Jesus says to him, don't worry about him. Worry, I said it backwards. Jesus is talking to him and then the other guy is trying to deflect it off of himself and he says, and what about John? And Jesus says to him, don't worry about him. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you right now. What is Jesus saying to you right now? What is he speaking to you about your journey right now? I don't care what their house looks like. What is he saying to you about your house right now? I don't care what their job is. What is he saying to you about your work right now? I don't care what their relationship status is. What is he saying to you about your relationships right now? And we get in comparison where we want to look at everyone else's and we want to set our goals and make our determinations by what we're comparing on everything external and we forgot to go straight to the source and say, Jesus, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you say about the life that I live? What is it about you say about the things that I should be planning? What is it that you say about the place that you're walking me into? Comparison will get us looking everywhere except for to Jesus. And then the other thing that comparison does is sometimes when we get on the other side of comparison, we feel so good. You know? Don't leave me out here. I know you guys do it too. You'd be like, well... I mean, my kids are sassy sometimes, but have you seen those kids across the street? They're crazy, right? Like, and all of a sudden, we start comparing in the other, I just want to make an aside, the kids who live across the street from us are wonderful, just in case, they're amazing, that was not, right? And you start making this comparison that goes in the other direction, where you start saying, oh, well, I have this and that going on, but at least I don't have that. At least I don't have this happening. At least, and we use comparison to prop ourselves up on a pedestal. Jesus spoke to this as well when he was speaking to the Pharisees and he said, oh, you sit back and you think at least I'm not this and at least I'm not that and at least I haven't done this and you point out all of the other sins of all of the other people and you think at least I've got this part of it right and Jesus says that doesn't have anything to do with it either. I didn't call you to look at each other to create a comparison for your journey. Comparison has nothing to do with the place that we should be but we position everything outside of ourselves and we when we position everything outside of ourselves it leaves us in a place where we can say I'm okay I'm perfect I've got everything going on in my life and the most dangerous part about the position that that puts us in in the belief that we're perfect is that it positions us in the place of God because if I'm perfect I must be the God of my life and that tracks because we worship at the altar of ourselves and we serve ourselves and we sacrifice for ourselves because everything revolves around me when I'm perfect. 
And if I believe that I'm perfect, and if I believe that there's nothing missing in me, and I believe that there's nothing broken in me, then I believe that I am not in need of a God, and I am not in need of a Savior. And we have lost a fundamental truth that generations before us knew and understood, that I, in fact, am not perfect. I, in fact, am deeply flawed. I, in fact, have some amazing qualities and some amazing attributes, and I was created in the image of God, but there is also something distinctly not God about who I am, and it veers me off course, and it causes me to be selfish, and it causes me to be prideful, and it fills me with anger, and it causes me to lash out, and it causes me to ostracize other people, and to victimize other people, and to treat other people as commodities instead of part of the family of God. There is something inside of me that is very imperfect about who I am. When Paul was writing to the church in Romans, he said this in Romans 3 and 23. He said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. I love the word all because it's real easy to break down. You guys know I love like a word breakdown and original etymology and what was the original author saying to the original audience. And there's some parts of the scripture where we really have to like dig in and go like, yeah, and what did that mean in the context? Like when we talk about sin, we're gonna talk about that a little bit. We gotta kind of get into like, oh, what does that mean? All is real simple. All has always meant the same thing. All. It means everybody. It means I'm an all, and you're an all, and the person next to you is an all, and the person you're watching with is an all, and everybody is, it says all of us. All of us, every single person that you have ever known, all of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of who God is. And this is where that comparison thing is so important and is so critical to remember that we're gonna pull ourselves out of of comparison and talk about what is my relationship with God? What is Jesus saying to me? Because there is nothing that we love better when it comes to the sin category than comparison that goes, well, I might have messed up, but my mess up wasn't quite as bad as their mess up. So like my sin is kind of like a minor sin and their sin is like a major sin. And there are different levels of implications for the types of sins on the gamut of sins. But at the end of the day, all of it is something that has fallen short of the glory of God. Whether you are a person who finds yourself standing on the edge of a mountaintop or a person who finds yourself sitting in the depths of a valley, neither of these people are any more capable of reaching out and grabbing hold of a star. That's how far the glory of God is from each of us. So you might feel like your sins are mountaintop sins and someone else's sins are valley sins, or you might feel like you have valley sins and someone else has mountaintop sins. Guess what? Each of you are equally incapable of your own merit, of your own right of reaching out and grabbing a hold of the glory and of the presence of the magnitude of who this mighty, wonderful, perfect God, as far as the earth is from the heavens, he is far exceedingly abundantly the glory of who he 
is, we have all sinned and fallen short from it. And when it says sinned, it's it's this idea that there is a mark that we're going after. The mark is the glory of who he is, that there is this point that we are aiming for, that we're shooting for, but we never quite hit it. We keep missing that mark. We keep stepping offside of it. We keep falling short. If you picture a bow and arrow going for its target and it just keeps coming up short. Every time you and I try of our own accord to reach the perfection of who God is, we will always come up short. We will always come up short because we cannot reach his glory because all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But Paul goes on because that's just bad news, right? You're like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Paul goes on with the good news, the good news. He says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All of us have fallen short of that glory, but all of us also have access to being justified through the grace that comes to us through Christ Jesus. There is no other path, there is no other way, but there is a Jesus who came, and though we are not perfect, he was perfect. It's why we can't get it confused that I'm perfect just the way I am, because if we think I'm perfect just the way I am, there would have been no need for Jesus to come on our behalf. But we know I am absolutely a mess on the inside, and I keep coming up short of this thing that I'm striving for and that I'm reaching for, and I keep going after the glory, and I keep falling for it. Phil and I did that Tough mutter thing. If you saw that, we did a Tough mutter a couple weeks ago, and there was this one obstacle that um, you had to run and there's a big pit of water and you're supposed to grab this bar and then swing on it and like tap something on the other side and then exit. That's That's the goal that you're aiming for. That's the glory that you're going for. Phil executed it wonderfully, like the athlete that he is. You guys, I wish I had a photo. I literally ran with all of my might and I jumped with all of my power and I reached with all of my strength that my five foot two frame could give me and I fell flat in that water, didn't even touch the bars. I was so far from it, it was amazing. (laughs) And that's how we're going through life. Out of our own power and out of our own strength, we're running with everything that we've got, with all of our might, and we're pushing with everything that we have and everything that our mere mortal frames will give us, and we're stretching and we're reaching, trying to be the next version and the next best part of ourselves. and every single time we fall flat because we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. We needed a savior. 
We needed someone to come and say, let me hold you in this. Let me walk with you in this. Let me create a clear path for you back to redemption. Let me show you how to come into the glory of God. Let me shrink the distance and the space between who God is and where you are. Let me lift you up and bring you into the place of his glory. You could never do it on your own because you're flawed. You could never do it on your own because you're broken. You could never do it on your own because you know you're an absolute mess all day, every day. But the good news, the good news is that Jesus came for us. The good news is that he is perfect. The good news is that he died and rose again for you and for me. That he is seated in glory, interceding on our behalf, saying, come on up into this. That he is praying for us, saying, let me reach down and pull you up out of that mess you've gotten yourself into. That he is there saying, I can take you along. I know the way. I've been there. Let me be your guide. Let me be your path. Let me be the one who walks you into glory. You don't have to stay in the mess. You're an absolute mess, but you don't have to stay there. You can come and meet Jesus, and it's good news today if you're like, I know I'm a mess, right? You're like, when I sit by myself, I know what I think about, and I know where my mind wanders, and I know who I think I'm better than, and I know who I think that I'm worse than, and I know that I'm a mess, but the good news for you today is you don't have to stay a mess. Because this is what he says. This is ridiculous. Jesus says, come and be perfect as I am perfect. Because he was so perfect and so flawless and so wonderful and so all together good. He says, I made a way that you and your messy self, he's a God that delights in the mess of his creation. And he said, with all of the mess that you bring, with your messy self, I wanted to come and get in that and create a path for you to become perfect, like I am perfect. It's what we're getting ready to celebrate in just a couple moments when we go out and we baptize other people. That their old messy self is laying down and that the new person is rising up and is walking with Jesus. It's such a good day. It's such a good way to live. It's such a good, good place to be in.